Shout out to Clarity for supporting this episode and providing us with the samples. I've been battling allergies for years now. Let me tell you, they've been a real ordeal in my life. Luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available release sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to ClaritinD.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, gang? Welcome to The Greatness Machine. I'm your host, Darius Mershazdeh. I'm so pumped to have you here with me. Now, listen, The Greatness Machine, we're about two things. Number one, people who are living their passions. And number two, those who are creating greatness in the world and doing both of these things despite the odds against them. Each episode, we're going to feature interviews with game changers, business leaders, you know, telling us their origin stories, what made them tick, what got them to where they are now. Why? So it can help you step into your greatness within your life, your business, and your career. Occasionally, you might hear a few solo episodes from myself, moi, as I say, as I leverage my 20 years of entrepreneurship as a CEO and founder to help you grow and level up in your journey to scale your life and your business. So come be a fly on the wall, enjoy the conversation, and I'm stoked to have you here with me. All right, all right, all right. Guys, welcome to the show. Welcome to The Greatness Machine. I'm your host, Darius Mershazne, and boy, do we have a special guest, my main man, Andrew Bustamante, is in the house. Andrew, how's it going, my friend? Hey, what's up, Darius? I'm glad, I'm glad to be here, man. Oh, man, I've been looking forward to this. Um, I was telling Andrew before the show, I said, man, it's hard to get on the show, but I, um, I was looking through his bio, and I'm like, uh, I want to have a spy on the show. This would be awesome. So... <laughs> So, man, I'm so pumped to have you here. Um, do you mind if I do a little bit of housekeeping and then we'll get started here? Yeah, absolutely. Go for it. Um, so, look, for, for those of you that are not new to the show, you'll know that we're about two things. We're about uh, people who are living their passions and those who are creating greatness in the world. And Andrew is neither short of passion nor greatness. And I'm really excited to explore both of those topics uh, with you today. Um, so, um, as I was mentioned earlier, um, so Andrew's publicist was pr- promoting him and I, and I was reading through your bio and I'm like, uh, I'm really interested in learning more about what you do. Uh, you are a former CIA operative. Is that correct? Correct, sir. Yeah. So we're going to be digging into that. And, but, um, what I'd like to do is kind of re- go over your formal bio because, uh, for the, for our guests that, or excuse me, for our listeners that don't know you personally, do you mind if I, uh, spend a minute or so kind of giving some of your background and then we can dive right into, you know, what you're doing and how you're doing it. Yeah. I mean, just be, just know in advance, it all sounds cool, but when you actually do it, it's way more boring when you actually do it, but go yeah. for it. <laughs> it. It's like being a cop, like 99% <laughs> of the time you're eating donuts and bored. And then 1% of the time you're like chasing the bad guys, right? Yeah, exactly. So, but, but please, I don't want to interrupt your, your flow, brother. No, no, it's all good. Uh, so guys, um, like I said, uh, you know, we had, we have a friend, a friend of mine. Um, oh gosh. Uh, she's a former, former guest on the show, but she was, she did like a spy thing for women. 
Um, and, and so now we have an actual real spy here, which, which was really interesting and greatness machines all around, like learning and meeting interesting people that have done amazing things in their lives. But Andrew's a former covert CIA intelligence officer. Uh, he's a decorated military combat veteran, um, and a fortune 10 corporate advisor. I would say out of those three, that's the least boring. Just, just so <laughs> Like, like I'm like, yeah, whatever. Screw Fortune 10. I want to hear about the getting into the shit in the military. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you've led uh, human and technical intelligence operatives for corporate and government clients for over 20 years. And you've actually uh, launched EverydaySpy.com. It's the first online platform designed to teach elite spy skills to everyone. And we're going to be, I can't wait to learn what that means. Uh, you've been, you know, all over the media and you've gotten praise from all from your work all around the world for your innovative, authentic, and life-changing content. And um, and when you're not interviewing, it sounds like you're a family man. Uh, you got two kids, and you, you're living in Florida with your wife. Is that correct? Yeah, man. That's the way. It's everything else is just uh, just the trim. The cake is is raising a family, man. Yeah, I'm with you, brother. That's awesome. So you know, I was looking at. It looks like you you went to uh, your graduate. Is it the Air Force Academy? Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, 2003 from the Air Force Academy. Oh, that's so cool, man. That's 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 no, that's like no shit, dude. Like like no offense to the rest of the military uh, branches, but like Air Force is Air Force gets the the smartest of the smart, you know, from my understanding. It, it, it's if you're going to go to uh, one of the four-year academies, no offense Naval Academy and uh whatever the other ones are, but um, <laughs> <laughs> No offense that I don't remember who you are. Yeah, well, yeah, whatever. <laughs> I, I don't think the Marines even do the Marines even have one like they're, like, they're all under the Naval Academy. Yeah, no, yeah, it's, yeah. I'm with you. I was gonna say, I'm like Marines, like fuck that, go get into the shit. Like you're not allowed. <laughs> you're, you're not allowed to like. <laughs> you don't go to school. You get into the. You go right in the military. Um, so no, I love you know, man. Here at the Greatness Machine, we love hearing about origin stories. But man, take us back. You know, you and I were we're roughly the same age. Um, like were you like seven years old and you're like, man, I just want to be a CIA operative. Like I'm gonna go be a spy when you're a kid. Like like tell us about that. Yeah, no, man. Uh, I mean, my origin story is probably not the typical origin story. So I'm I'm like an accidental spy. I was I was not really I was good in school and uh, and kind of bad in life, if that makes any sense. I knew how to put uh, a quiz together to get the best answers, but I didn't know how to get a prom date. So that was me for the longest time. I went to the Air Force Academy because I had good grades and I was in decent physical shape and they made me get better grades and they helped me get into better shape. But they didn't teach me any life skills about how to how to talk to people or how to manage my own finances. There was nothing practical. So then I was kind of kicked out one day with a degree and as an officer in the military and just totally unprepared for any kind of real social interactions. So it's as embarrassing as it is to admit, that was kind of my reality, right? I was still stumbling over my own feet when it came to carrying on a conversation. I, I was egotistical and arrogant without even realizing I was egotistical and arrogant, right? That's how kind of socially stupid I was. <laughs> so what would be an example of being egotistical and arrogant and not realizing it? Like, like, like you go on a date, you go on a date and all you talk about is yourself. Oh, you must have got tons of ass. <laughs> 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 you can imagine, you can imagine how how satisfied I was at 22 years old, and I'm like, why doesn't I? Why can't I get a single date to call me back? Why does every commanding officer I talk to like relegate me to the the worst assignments, doing the most boring stuff? Like, what am I doing wrong here? So, anyways, so I you know you go to school at the School of Hard Knocks in all things social for a while, uh, and I kind of you know you're hemorrhaging when you're when you're not getting laid 
and you're not making friends and everybody that you work with doesn't really like you, you start realizing like the problem isn't the world. The problem has got to be me. Yeah. But then you just start going to like, you just start triaging, right? You start trying to shut up more and observe what other people are doing. You try to mimic and, and do what the cool people are doing. Like, how's this guy successful? What's he doing that I got to do? So yeah. fast forward four years of the school of hard knocks. And then I finally am like, I'm done with the military for my own personal reasons. It's just, it wasn't a good fit for me. And I try to leave to go to the Peace Corps. And as I'm in this process of applying online to the Peace Corps, so for those of you who don't remember what the internet looked like in 2007, right? You got to go to, a, essentially you would go to a computer cafe or an internet cafe, uh, or you would have some kind of maybe dial-up connection somewhere or whatever. So I'm applying online for the US for the Peace Corps and this red screen pops up that tells me, wait, you might be qualified for better other assignments in the US government. Are you willing to put your application on hold for 72 hours so that a recruiter can reach out? And being 27 years old, always looking for the better thing, I was one of those guys that said, yep, I'll wait 72 hours for the newer, better thing to call me. Uh, and that's how CIA found me. And then 24 hours later, I got a call from Langley that invited me up to do a, a, a national security interview. And that was it. I totally thought it was fake. I thought it was a phony crank call because it just didn't make any sense until the airplane tickets arrived and the hotel reservation was real. And then I just, I got on the plane and went and the rest is history. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. In the world of successful partnerships, names like Procter & Gamble, Ben & Jerry, and Supply & Demand echo through business history. But when it comes to growing your business, who are the perfect partners? That's you and Shopify. <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. We're talking from launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the, did we hit a million dollar order stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling shipping supplies or promoting productivity programs, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify magic your AI-powered all-star. Picture this, a time when my business was facing a tough hurdle and I wasn't sure how to break through. But then came the breakthrough moment, a game changer that took my business to the next level. You know, what I absolutely adore about Shopify is its unparalleled ability to adapt and grow with your ambitions. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's and Brooklyn and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 75 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Darius, all lowercase. That's D-A-R-I-U-S. Go to shopify.com slash Darius now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Darius. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with the samples. Hey there, friends. It's Darius Mishazda here, and I have a little confession to make. You see, I've been battling allergies for years now. And let me tell you, they've been a real ordeal in my life. Allergies have been my constant companion. They stopped me from fully enjoying the little things in life, from canceling plans with friends because of sudden allergy attack to missing out on an outdoor activity because of the sneezing fits. Allergies have been a real nuisance. Luckily, for those of us who live with symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. 
This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing and a runny nose, itchy, watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. I've been a Claritin D user for many, many years now, and let me tell you, it's made a world of difference. Since I started using Claritin D, my symptoms have improved dramatically. Now I can breathe easier, enjoy outdoor activities without worrying about sneezing fits, and truly live my life without being held back by allergies. Ready to live as if you don't have allergies, it's time to live Claritin Clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter now. You don't even need a prescription. Go to ClaritinD.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin Clear uses directed. Wait, wait. So you're applying for the Peace Corps, which is arguably the opposite of the military. Um, you know, I mean, no offense to the military, but like the job of the Peace Corps is like to keep peace. And the job, of, I guess the job of the military is to, to keep peace by force, right? <laughs> Threat of force or, you know, or, or actual force. So so maybe they're, maybe they're more similar than they're not. But, but I mean, I had a lot of friends in the military and a lot of friends in the Peace Corps. They're like the opposite. Like all, my, <laughs> all my fucking hippie friends were in the Peace Corps. Um, so, so, so you're like, all right, man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make a change in my life. I'm gonna, I want to go in this other direction. How the hell are you applying online for the Peace Corps? And then, I mean, they must have been stalking you. Was this like a CIA stalking thing where they were actually like trailing you, or did you have to take like a test or something? Because I'll tell you, I have a, a like my first introduction to people that I saw that actually got in the CIA or were asked to be in the CIA, and a bunch of them. I have a, probably like a handful of friends. They all were Ivy Leaguers, which was super like con- confusing to me because I went to UC Santa Barbara, which is like just a fun, cool school, right? This is like all surfers and people partying, but it's a good school. It's University of California. And I didn't know anybody that got asked to be in CIA there. But all these kids out of like Harvard and Dartmouth, they're all being asked to be in CIA. And I'm like, are they? I mean, okay, this is clearly like an intelligence thing, right? They want a certain level of, of like know-how right in order to get people in because they, they were definitely uh i i it was just a thing that surprised me so so how do you how is it that you go from applying for an online thing at the peace corps and the cia like grabs you and says no you need to come talk to us yeah so a big part of what's happening here what you're seeing darius is a is a little bit of um like the the misinformation or dis the the incorrect perception that comes from media CIA absolutely recruits super smart Ivy Leaguers, right? But that's when you think of CIA as an organization, like think of any massive organization, right? CIA is like 10,000 people strong. Wow. Okay. If you think of a corporation that has 10,000 employees, not all 10,000 people do the same thing, right? Right. So think of like your average business. Your average business has 70,000 or whatever uh, staffers and then a sales team of like 2,000. And those 2000 people, their job is to make all the sales that everybody else fulfills, all the customer service people, all the administrators, all the IT people, everybody, right? Your Ivy Leaguers are being hired to become analysts and tech op specialists. Got it. Super smart, super challenging jobs, right? And they need highly elite people to do that. So they recruit, actively recruit from those Ivy League schools. And those folks come work for CIA, but they don't come in and work undercover. They come in and work for CIA. Their IRS tax receipt says CIA. Their job description, when they apply for a mortgage, it all says they work at CIA. And they're super smart, super successful people. But then you've got folks like me, these state school graduates, you know, your your 3.0 GPAs, the guys who are so busy trying to chase tail 
that they forgot to study for the test the night before, right? For us, we make really good field operatives because right. a field operative isn't trying to chase down the A in class. We're not trying to like, we're not trying to impress the boss or write the next great tome and make the perfect uh, the perfect outcome in our in our math exam. Instead, we're just trying to make practical decisions that get us ahead in some unfair way. When it comes to collecting intelligence at CIA, we're collecting something called human intelligence. Human intelligence is intelligence that can only be collected, secrets that can only be collected when you meet a human being and get them to tell you secrets. Oh. That's not an easy thing to do. And people who are already accustomed to having like social interactions and controlling those social interactions, that's what CIA is recruiting for. So when they saw me, somebody with a well-documented military career, military academy uh, pedigree, language training, I mean, I was an open book to them. They, they knew everything about me. And then I'm ambiguously brown with a last name that's Latino, then that just fits into the cover role of pretty much anything they want to put me in. So it made sense. It was a low hanging fruit for them to use their own federal system to take a federal military officer and ask them to do something else. Oh. The, the worst that I could say is no. Right. It was a super cheap option to ask me. Uh, I'm just one of those guys that would never say no. Yeah, dude, I would have been so good at that job. Um, <laughs> look at me. I'm ambiguously brown. Yeah, I have like high EQ. I can get I, with the, the the kicker though is what you said before. I am so good at getting people to tell me secrets. Like that's my like. It's actually like a superpower. I didn't that's know a superpower. <laughs> had I had I known, I wouldn't have gone into the mortgage industry. I would have gone to CIA. Jesus Christ. There you go. For everybody <laughs> listening, for everybody listening who ends up becoming the person that everybody tells their like deep dark secrets to, you've got a job. You've got a calling, right? Just go figure it out. Go apply online for all I care. But if you can get people to tell you secrets. You got a job at CIA. Oh, that's so cool. So, um, so you get in CIA. I, I have a question though about CIA. So, yeah. because you know, I, I'm and this is gonna. You maybe get this a lot, but but I'm gonna throw it out there anyway. Um, my biggest exposure to CIA is Homeland, the TV <laughs> show. So, <laughs> like, I watched like seven seasons of it, and 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 that and so, I mean, obviously it's a drama, and obviously it's entertainment. But like on a scale one to ten, like ten being like, yeah, that's exactly how it is, and one being like, that's exactly how it isn't. Like, what would you rate it? Come on, it's getting about a five out of ten. It's All getting right. a, it's getting a fifty percent, right? All right. It it shows a lot of the administrative stuff. It shows a lot of the uh, the weird internal politics. Like that stuff's pretty real. But all of the excitement and adventure. You can't do it. Like if you were to make a real TV show about life at CIA, it would look a whole lot more like The Office. It would be like. It would be, if, you, if you have 12 episodes in a season, it's going to be 11 episodes of The Office, one episode of Homeland. And okay. that's that's one season. If you can bear through the 11 episodes of, you know, people arguing over staplers and whether or not you showed up and clocked in on time, then you can you deserve the, the cliffhanger last final episode. I love it. So I, I'm I'm uh, secretly now I'm, I'm I'm telling a secret right now. So <laughs> superpower. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I see. I, the superpower of secrecy is that you you show vulnerability and you give. You know this. I'm telling you. You're I'm teaching you. You teach me. But I'll tell you what I do is that I show massive vulnerability and I and I'm super transparent and honest. And then people like are like, oh, they just parrot right. They mimic right back. Um, but um, yeah. So being transparent right now. Um, I'm, in, I'm, I'm in some like, uh, God, what do you call them? Like secret prepper groups, right? <laughs> They're on like, I'm just like on signal 
and and these are people like really concerned about the state of our country and like, kind of preppers, right? So the, I mean, dude, I read some crazy shit, like like the, all these conspiracy theories and stuff like that. You know, so there's obviously we live in a world right now of tons of misinformation, tons of conspiracy theories. Like I read some of the stuff I read, I'm like, that's there's no way that's happening. And then there's some stuff I read, I'm like, maybe that could happen. When you start to look like you knowing what you know, having had an insight into intelligence and seeing all the misinformation that's out there right now, I mean, do you have a lot of concerns about what what you're seeing? Like from a wow, like people are, are finally finding out the truth of what the shit that's going on, or is it like, no man, there's a ton of bullshit, and this is like the this is like the JFK conspiracy theories of like 50 years ago. Like, what what are your thoughts around this? Yeah, so I do have I do have concerns, but they may not be the concerns you're thinking. Right, my concern is. I am very discouraged by the average person. The average person who is so easily distracted, so easily misled, who, who believes and trusts so easily, so quickly in a headline that's posted on a website that you've never heard of before, right? Like whenever you visit a news, how often do you search, you search for news headlines, right? And stuff like Sky News pops up. What the hell is Sky News? Yeah. How do you know that a journalist has any journalistic background for that organization, right? So it's, it's discouraging to me because I'll have people reach out to me. I'll have clients, very wealthy, high paying clients who will reach out to me and say, hey, I saw this thing on bubbanews.com. Uh, is this something I need to worry about, right? Do I need to prepare for this? I was like, dude, what is, who is this guy that wrote this article? Why are you, why are you even considering it as possibly factual? So my my like my discouragement, my worries come from the fact that people have seemed to lost track of the fact that misinformation, misinformation and disinformation are not the same thing. Misinformation is mistaken information, incorrect, inaccurate, but unintentional information. It's just when people say something that's not fully baked, it's not complete. They leave out a detail accidentally. Disinformation is intentional lies intended to inform you the wrong way, disinformation. Disinformation is much rarer than people think. Misinformation is extremely common, especially in today's world where news organizations are just trying to survive. So now you've got, you, you log onto the internet and you've got a news organization and their search result pops up next to a blog, which pops up next to an opinion article, which pops up next to a podcast interview, which pops up next to a Twitter, a tweet, right? Not, these are not the same not the same types of information. But to the consumer, the consumer is treating them like they're all the same. And that worries me because the state of the world is the same that it's always been. Powerful people use dumb people to fight for them. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what we're happening. That's what's happening everywhere right now. What's happening in business, it's happening in Ukraine, it's happening everywhere. You know, smart, powerful people find a way to make poor, dumb people fight their battles for them so that the rich keep getting richer and the gap, the gap between the haves and the have nots keeps getting wider. Uh, And it's something that you learn to see through. It's something that CIA taught us to manipulate because it's a winning combination. It's like knowing how to play poker better than the guy sitting next to you. Yeah. So, so well, actually, and that that's and that's actually what you just said was was what keeps popping up. And in and, and these groups I'm in, a lot of them are actually military, and so they're saying, "Oh, this is intentional disinformation campaigns." That and some of you know, I mean, and I mean, listen, if you read every single thing that was written, that I'm that these things, uh, I'm like these fucking people are insane. 
So, so like, but they're like, yeah, this is a disinformation campaign. And they're saying that this is the government is doing this. This is like textbook straight out of the CIA. We're doing it on our own people now. And, and I, and you know, my, my stepfather is a scientist and he's like, listen, man, like, uh, you know, obviously science is different where a lot of this is around the COVID vaccine, but um, he's like, look, most of it's just like his belief. He's like, it's probably just it's the obvious stuff that's happening. It's not this like uh, under crazy bullshit. He's like, it's probably, he's like, and so his belief is really that it's like, and I'm forgetting what, how he says it because he says it in a very specific way, but he's like, look, man, the truth is hard for some people to just swallow. Right. So they, they, cre they create these false narratives. And one of these false narratives that I keep seeing come up is like, no, this is a, there's disinformation campaigns that are happening right now. Our, our government is using the CIA taxes that they, that they use on, you know, threats out in the world on, on its own people. Like if you, if you given what you know about CIA, what do you think is the odds of that being true? Yeah. So, so let me give you two real life examples that are happening right now that are happening in your, in your own uh, newsfeed, whether you're an Apple newsfeed person or a Google newsfeed person, right? COVID, there's no disinformation going out about COVID. There's tons of misinformation right. because everything is changing. Science changes, new information changes, right? Do you remember when masks were mandated by law? And then the Supreme Court comes in and says that masks, that's, that that was an un that was not a legal decision, right? There was a time when they, they were trying to force companies to uh, forcefully vaccinate their employees. Yeah. And then we found out that that wasn't legal. That wasn't a disinformation campaign. That was people doing what they thought was right, only to find out that with more information and more time and more science, it wasn't really the right thing to do. Right. It happens all the time. It's just like, you know, if you're a parent or if you're a partner, you know, you make mistakes, you say things that are just not fully accurate because you don't have all the information that that's like a 99% probability. The vast majority of what you read on any given day that's coming in as current events, it's not complete. It's, it is a, it is not yet misinformation because it's just incomplete. Once people, once the information is complete, then people have the chance to say it the wrong way. It's just, we live in a world of fragmentary information because we have a 24 hour news cycle. Right. If we could all just wait and read the news at 7 a.m. tomorrow, instead yeah. of having to read it all day long, then people would give us better news. But instead we're, we're, we're forced to feed at this trough, this trough that we've built for ourselves. Yeah. I, you could be like me and ignore every, all the news and just read, uh, blo read blogs from Bubba. Yeah. So now <laughs> let me give you real, a real example of disinformation. Yeah. Right now, the United States and NATO are actively running an information warfare campaign against Russia. Yeah. They are. Every single English newspaper, every single English news source that you read that's telling you something about Russia and Russia's failed troops and their failed weapons and, you know, this the resilience and supreme strength of the Ukrainian people like there is an element of that that's true, but the bigger piece of that is an intentional disinformation campaign, information warfare to reduce the morality, the the um, not the morality, to reduce the uh, the will of the Russian people to fight. Right there, we know that the United States wants to see Russia weakened. The Defense Secretary has said that. We know that there is a, a personal vendetta from Biden to Putin. We've seen that over Biden's entire career, and you see that in comments that he made in Poland. Right. So for sure, the United States wants to beat Russia. It's not just about Russia and Ukraine. It's also about the United States and Russia. 
So that's why you see a very coordinated uh, series. Whenever the United States releases intelligence, it's selectively choosing what to release. Understood. So it is selectively releasing those bits of information that will be magnified in the press that will demoralize Russian troops and aid in the overarching NATO efforts to save Ukraine and reduce the uh, effectiveness, the operational effectiveness of Russia. So like when you read about Putin having cancer, do you remember two weeks ago, everybody was talking about Putin being crazy. Two weeks before that, people were talking about the Russian people are gonna overthrow Putin. How, how is it that every two to three weeks, some new threat to Putin arises? It's right. happening because of an intentional information campaign that we should understand. It is in our best interest. It's a national security priority. So it's not that the United States is intentionally trying to trick its own people. It is intentionally trying to trick English speakers in Russia. Oh, interesting. But the American people just happen to read the same headlines and don't know the difference between real news and and weaponized information. Yeah, that makes total sense. So um, I, I want to um, kind of dive back into your career at the CIA. So you, so you got the the um, you're at the Internet Cafe. 72 hours later, they invite you to, you know, go and apply. Yeah. Kind of give us a rundown of your, of what you did at the CIA. Love to hear about that. Yeah. So, I mean, what I can share, uh, there's a lot of it that's still classified. So um, I came in as a, as a intelligence field officer by training, um, went through my training, which is a long, a long time, less than a year, more than a month kind of thing. Um, and then I was, I primarily focused on what's called hard targets. Hard targets are the most strategically difficult targets for the United States to collect information against. And there's only a handful of hard target countries that are out there. Your Iran's of the world, Russia, China, um, North Korea, those are all hard target countries. And it's kind of a special skill that, uh, that some of us fall into, oftentimes based on uh, what cover is available to us and then what our language capabilities were. So I was speaking level three languages. Level three languages are the hardest languages that are out there. The Air Force Academy taught me Chinese. I had learned Japanese. Um, I was learning some uh, some some Russian. So it was it, it made sense for them to slot me into a hard targets career. And in that same career field is where I met my wife. Oh, so wow. she was also a CIA officer, also undercover, and also assigned to hard targets. Oh, your so kids are so fucked. <laughs> <laughs> Mom, I, I swear it's not my weed. Bullshit. Yeah. Here's the video footage of you. <laughs> we I, tell them that I all the time. Place that weed, and I have. <laughs> yeah, I'm messing. I've laced your weed, son. Go ahead, take a puff. <laughs> <laughs> that's not even weed. That's <laughs> it's oregano. Yeah, just to prove to you, I see you. You know your buddy that sold it to you. He's one of he's one of my <laughs> one of my assets. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Sorry, dude. I no, man. So that's what we did. So uh, we, I worked around the world. My wife worked around the world. And then we decided that we were a good fit for each other. We got married. And then the CIA saw that they could just put us together under the same operations, under the same cover. And then we operate around the world as what's called a tandem couple. Wow. What a honeymoon. That's amazing. Yeah. So that, that's crazy. So is your wife still in CIA or is she out now? No, she's out. She's out. She runs Everyday Spy with me. We so the the to fast forward to the end of the story, right? We had our child, our first child. We were very successful at CIA, but we came to that place that every CIA officer comes to, where you have to pick between career and family. Yeah. 
And when we looked at it through that lens, you know, CIA is still just a giant organization and every organization is a giant grinder, right? Like it just grinds your identity out of you. It grinds your energy. It grinds everything out of you. And we had to decide in a moment, like, do we, do we invest ourselves in our family? Do we invest ourselves in CIA? And the nice thing is our kids, they only have one set of parents, but the American people, there's a long line of talented American people waiting for their chance to replace us at CIA. Yeah. So when we looked at it through that lens, it made it very easy. We need to go do the parenting thing because only we can do that. Anybody, any state school 3.0 who realized that they shouldn't talk about themselves during a date, that person has a chance to go out and steal secrets and keep my family safe. So let's give them a chance at bat. Yeah, that's all that man. I, I love that. And it's, I, th I think a lot, I mean, I think it's the responsible I mean, thing to do. I did it as an entrepreneur, you know, it took me a while to figure out that I needed to like not work 80 hours a week and like be a, be a good dad, you know, and be there for my wife. But I think like, if you don't, I think if you don't make that realization, then you, you, I mean, I, I hope it's not true for everybody, but, but my, my worry with it was, I was like, man, I'm going to regret this. You know, I had a buddy that told me once, like one of my kids were really young. He said, look, dude, blink. It's a shooting star. And you'll blink and you'll miss it if you don't if you don't slow down. And and it, my kids were pretty young when that happened. Like one was three and one was newborn. And I was like, and I still got after it. But but it, you know, every minute I wasn't spending with my work, I'd spend with my my kids, and my my wife. So yeah, it's good, exactly. good for you guys. Good for you guys. So yeah, man, tell us about Everyday Spy. I want to hear all about this. Yeah. So Everyday Spy, we when we left CIA, it's kind of like leaving the mafia. CIA doesn't like support you. They don't want you to leave, so they make it very difficult for you to leave. You're undercover. You're a national security asset. So when you leave, there's like they give you a, a resume that they write for you and it's garbage. And then they don't they won't validate your references. They won't say that you worked for them. Like you basically look like you're in your mid 30s with no professional background at all. No references and nobody they can call. So we struggled for about six months trying to find a way to live somewhere. I mean, I was in my I was in my in-laws garage that we had converted into a bedroom. It was miserable, dude. It was like, it was those moments where you wake up and you're like, I am, I am horrible at life. I am a total failure. And then one morning I was like, the only, the only thing I knew how to do was lie to people and get them to give me secrets. So I literally just was like, I'm going to try this trick on an executive who lives down the street and see if I can trick him into giving me a job in his company. And that's, and it worked. Yeah. And, and all of a sudden I was making $85,000 a year in a job I was totally unqualified for because I had befriended the executive and he had bypassed the entire hiring process and just stuck me into a job. Wait, what, so what was your, uh, like, you don't even tell me the name of the company, but what was the lie that you told him to get the job? So I told him that I had, well, I guess it wasn't technically a lie. I told him I had lots of leadership experience and I could handle, uh, I could handle limited resources and big time constraints. And I was like, you know, put me in because this is a position where most people run away and I really lean in. It's like, I live for that. I don't live for, I don't live for that kind of stress. I, yeah. I hate that kind of stress. Everybody hates that kind of stress, but I know I can manage that kind of stress. Got it. So he was like, oh, I've got just the position We're we're growing our IT group like 300% because we're going to be acquiring three new businesses in the next nine months. If you like that kind of stress, I can't keep that position filled. I'll stick you in it tomorrow. And I was like, yeah, I can do that for sure. And he was like, great. Uh, I'll pay you $85,000. And I was like, I'll take $85,000. Uh, he's like, where do you want to live? I said, I want to live in Tampa. 
He's like, we, the only way we can do that is if we decrease your pay and let you live remote. And I was like, decrease my pay to $80,000 and I'll take a hundred percent remote job. Yeah. Done. That is it, man. We had a discussion. Yeah. We had a discussion over like shrimp on the beach and in St. Petersburg, Florida. And then boom, I was hired. Right. And then I used that and I did, I was like, babes, it works. Let's do the same thing for you. So she did the same thing. The guy gave her a job also in the same company in a different group. So there was no like, you know, husband, wife, nepotism. And then it just, when that worked, I just kept using spy skills over and over again on the job. I learned on the job by using the same rapid learning techniques that CIA taught me. I networked on the job using the same networking techniques that CIA taught me. I closed deals. I got people to collaborate. I got people to work on projects they didn't work on. I delivered things ahead of schedule. Just using CIA tactics that I used in the field to make to make patriots turn into spies and traitors. It was easy to use that to make people more efficient, more productive, and make sales professionals more like more sales. And after about three years in the corporate world, I was like, well, shit, man, if I can do this to make this company a bunch of money, why don't we just do this on our own and make everybody more money? So that's how Everyday Spy came to be. So, so you just saw that, okay, the, the, this, the, these tactics in, 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 the, in, in civilian life are these skill sets that were so valuable at, in you know intelligence world when brought into a corporate world were equally, if not more valuable, like depending on what you consider value. Right. Yeah, and, exactly. Right. Wow. That's so cool. So you guys started everyday spy, you know, walk us through a little bit through that entrepreneurial journey. Like who was your first client? Can you say? Man, we, when I first launched everyday spy, it was called everyday espionage because I knew nothing about marketing. And yeah. I, and I was like, Oh, that sounds like a clever name. Clever names don't work very well. I and mean, people don't know what the words mean. Right. And they like, and still like butcher the spelling of it when they're typing it in <laughs> like, to the URL. I, 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 I own like probably like a hundred uh, URLs and I'm always like, how dumb can I make the spelling? Like I need like second grade spelling, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. So I didn't, I didn't know any of that. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know any of that. So when I, when I first started, I called the company everyday espionage. Nobody wanted to like, I could, didn't have an elevator pitch or anything. Uh, so what ended up happening is I went to a nonprofit. I went to the boys and girls club of Tampa Bay. And I said, Hey, I've got this eight part lecture series that I can't seem to sell to anyone. How about I just give it for free? Like I will host it, you guys sponsor it, and all of the proceeds go to your nonprofit. It goes to your charity, right? And they were like, "Yeah, we love that idea." I didn't. I thought, "Sweet, now I'm at least going to speak to a room full of like teenagers who have to do what the Boys and Girls Club of Tampa Bay tells them to do." Instead, what happened is the the Tampa Bay nonprofit used all of their network assets in media. So then all of a sudden, NBC and ABC and the Tampa Bay Times and the Tampa Tribune were all blasting out that there's a former spy speaking at this location and all of the proceeds go to charity. Oh, that's great. So that turned into eight weeks of sold out rooms. Wow. And we we raised like $60,000 for a nonprofit. And I had proof of concept that this thing could work. Yeah. But the but the real kicker was that there were people in the audience that then came to me afterwards and they were like, we want to hire you. I don't if, if what what you just taught me in this eight part lecture series, I want you to teach this to my sales staff. I want you to teach this to my executive team. I want you to teach this to on a webinar. I want you to teach this to whatever. Right. And that's how the business was born. So so, uh, man, that's such a cool story. I love entrepreneurial stories. And like, you know, like you start thinking it's like, I mean, there's 
that's a you putting yourself out. That's like luck and opportunity meeting itself at the same time because you could they could have easily not done that yep. and and it would have been a way harder grind to launch that thing, right? You would have yep. been out there cold calling to get people to like have a conversation as opposed to having a stamp of approval from the media, you know, instant authority. Everyone wants to, you know, you have a stage. So like, yeah, how many people were in, were in each one of these sessions roughly? We had 85 people in the first session and then we averaged about 40 to 50 people each session after that. And 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 so, and out of that, call it 50 people, how many would want to talk to you about maybe doing something? Like five to 10. Yeah. That's I had, crazy. I had, yeah, I had a, uh, I had a, a quantitative analysis, a quantitative analyst from the financial world who was sitting in the audience on the first day. He came with his wife because his wife was a big spy fan. Uh, and he was just counting numbers because he's a numbers person. Right. And at the end, he came up to me and he was like, dude, do you realize that that you converted 65% of the room to come back the second day? And I had never heard any of those words before. And I was yeah. like, uh, no, I, I don't know what that means. And he's like, it means that you sold tickets for tomorrow to like more than 50% of the people here. And I was like, oh, I didn't even know I was selling anything, right? And that was the introduction. That was the beginning of my understanding about the sales process, the official like non-government just service. Cause I come from a world of service. Right. And now I'm going into a world of service through sales. Right. So it was just, I mean, all my entrepreneurial journey is a lot like my, my CIA journey. It's like, I'm on the steep end of the learning curve all the time. I always feel four days behind where I need to be. I'm always the dumbest person talking to successful people. Um, and it's it's a wonderful place to be, but I'm looking forward to the day when I'm not always like trying to catch up when at some point I get to finally feel like, oh, I think I know what's happening right now. <laughs> I, think, I think that's called the day you die. <laughs> If you're if you're if you're pushing yourself, you know, yeah. Because I, there's value of being the dumbest guy in the room because it forces you to not be the dumbest person in the room, right? So like, just like I I, I have a lot of friends who are super successful, and I'm always like, dude, just put me. I want to be the dumbest guy in the room constantly. And the minute I'm not, I get bored, and uh, and then I go look for a bigger room for me to be dumb in. You know? <laughs> so, so no, man, fight fight for that. Um, so when you're working with clients now, um. What's like, you know, I had a friend, well, let me, let me back up. Cause, cause when I think of what you're talking about right now, you know, there's the world of hacking, right. And there's physical hacking and then like hacking, like in the sense of like breaking into someone's computer. Right. And so I had a, one of my really good friends, her ex-boyfriend now was a physical hacker. So he, so I was like, what's a physical hacking? He's like, you know, like, and literally like Google would hire him. Right. And he'd like, like just hang out in the building and just like walk in and, and you know, figure out a way to get into their like server room physically camp out there no one will know nighttime steal all their shit and then leave right and like he started a business off this this yeah. is a business right so a lot of when i start thinking about spy stuff especially like corporate espionage is around like taking some other corporation stuff i mean do you guys do that type of stuff or are you guys doing way more like the other side which is soft skills and teaching people how to like work better together leveraging spy skills like what what is what would be a typical project for everyday spy yeah. So, I mean, I can, I'll answer that question, but I want you to think of, so espionage is a, it's a whole solution, right? It's a whole skill set solution. So we actually offer solutions to the whole problem set. When you talk about physical hacking, essentially what you're talking about is what's known as red teaming. You act as a, as a villain or as a thief or as a crook or whatever else. And you try to get your way in that's physical red teaming. 
cyber red teaming is also something that can be done and something that we also do. When you when you fish to try to get access to someone's credentials so you can break into the server, right? Those are those are all things in what's known as offensive uh, intelligence. We also do defensive intelligence. We are teaching the corporate executives how to identify when a red team threat is present, right? So if you go to a bar and you sit down and somebody starts, someone strikes up a conversation next to you, there are specific signs that you will know whether or not they're trying to elicit information, whether or not they're trying to get access to your room, whether or not they're trying to get access to your wallet, your cell phone, or your briefcase, right? There's there's all sorts of signs in the professional intelligence world. These are very nuanced, specific skills that when you are untrained and you go up against somebody who is trained, the probability of you losing is significantly higher. When a trained person goes up against another trained person, mm -hmm. the probability for defense is significantly higher. Nice. So in, in one part of our business, we are serving corporate clients, military clients, government clients, US and foreign government clients who wanna learn these nuanced defensive and offensive skills. But then the second half of our business is also serving the everyday retail clients, right? The everyday person, because the everyday person also has a need to know how to keep their house safe, how to, to, how to uh, teach their daughter to protect herself her freshman year in college, how to you know, know whether, how to make their relationship with their wife or with their husband stronger by opening up their communication channels, by communicating in a different way. We teach mental optimization, physical optimization. We have workouts, like it's a whole body solution because that's what CIA does to each of its officers. It solves whole person solutions for each officer. Oh, that's so cool. So, <coughs> excuse me, um, getting over COVID. <laughs> yeah, like, no joke. Um, so I want to, I know you um, have some stuff that like where people can connect with you um, uh, around, you know, the book and quiz. Like, why don't we, you know, give our give our listeners some ways where they can connect with you and learn more about the stuff that you guys do if you don't mind yeah absolutely so the i mean i have an itunes top 100 podcast i've been blessed with a podcast that i accidentally i don't know what i'm doing i'm just talking to a microphone but it works uh, and i teach somebody i teach one lesson every podcast if you go to the everyday espionage podcast you'll find it everywhere stitcher uh apple uh, you name it, Spotify, it's everywhere. So the Everyday Espionage Podcast, if you're a podcast person, I have a YouTube channel at Everyday Spy if you're interested in YouTube. Uh, if you want to find your way to the website and start testing yourself and seeing how much of the skills you already have, uh, I just launched this awesome new online quiz. It's totally free. Go to everydayspy.com forward slash quiz. Everydayspy.com forward slash quiz. And that's going to give your folks a chance right away, Darius, to, uh, to see what spy superpower they were born with and what spy super vulnerability they were also born with. And then we'll immediately start teaching them how to how to boost both. Oh, I love that, man. Andrew, what a pleasure having you on the show. This has been so much fun. Um, seriously, I, I learned a lot. And I, I I always tell people, I said, look, the the selfishly, the, the, the greatest reason I do this show is just so I get to meet cool people like you and bullshit about the amazing things you've done in your life. And and I really, so much gratitude from our side having you here today. Thank you, my friend. No, man, my pleasure. Thanks very much. And, and I appreciate what you're doing, Darius. Keep working at it, brother. All right, brother. Take care. Guys, thank you so much for listening. Go and support Andrew. Check out his Everyday Spy. I can't wait to do this quiz to learn about what my powers and uh, weaknesses are. And uh, you should go check it out as well. And, uh, and a lot of our listeners. So um, I highly encourage you to connect with Andrew and his team and see how you can make your business better 
uh, through leveraging everyday spy. So uh, with that said, we're going to get out of here and we thank you guys so much for your time. Peace out. We love you. All right. See you. You are listening to The Greatness Machine, and that's a wrap for today. Listen, if you love what you heard, subscribe to the show on whatever podcast platform that you're tuning in on so that you don't miss any of our future episodes. We have tons of great people coming on, and we're, we're stoked to have you here to enjoy it with us. Leave us a review. Tell us what you love most about this particular episode. We love getting the reviews. We love to see what you guys love most. And if this particular episode you know, made you think of someone who's leveling up in their business and in their life, print screen, share it with them. Leaders are the best givers. And after all, we're all here to support and grow with each other. And in case you want to see some of the fun behind the scenes shots or some of the things that we're doing, I'm actually writing about this in my weekly newsletter. Go to www.therealdarius.com and subscribe to my newsletter. We're talking about fun things like business and life and mindfulness and cryptocurrencies and gosh, I don't even know everything and anything, but it's tons of fun stuff I write about. I try to get it out on a weekly basis. You can subscribe at www.therealdarius.com. And with that said, look, thank you guys so much. Appreciate you. I love you. Peace. We're out of here. See you guys on the next one. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously, which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you wanna learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join podcast royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.